Her name is Binti, and she is the first of the Himba people ever to be offered a place at Umza University, the finest institution of higher learning in the galaxy. But to accept the offer will mean giving up her place and her family to travel between the stars among strangers who do not share her ways or respect her customs. The world she seeks to enter has long warred with the Meduse, an alien race that has become the stuff of nightmares, and Binti's stellar travel will bring her within their deadly reach. to Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. I'm Emma. And I'm Christina. And today we'll be discussing Binti. All right, so first off, we're going to give our non-spoiler review. Emma, I want to hear from you first. Start us off. What Um, did you think of Binti? I went first last time, but okay. (laughs) I will go first. (laughs) (laughs) it happens every now and then again well i mean it's okay it's fine i think it was pretty good it was really short we talk about the length of books a lot on this show but it is important to me it's very important (laughs) so like I wasn't sure how much story there was gonna be because it was so short but i think it was a nice Beginning, middle, and end. Good story. I think, Hannah, you're always talking about setting things up. I know this is the first of Mm -hmm. three novellas. This was a good way to set things up, where it had a whole story, but there's definitely room for more, and I can see where it could go. Uh, So it was interesting. So, yeah, it was okay. That's my review. <laughs> That's a pretty good review from you. <laughs> I mean, we've we've found something here, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, Christina, what about you? What did you think of Binti? I really liked this book. So, again, super short book. I think this might be the shortest book that we've read, maybe. Yes. Yeah. And as far as length versus story i think this had the most story packed into such a short length that we've read and i was really impressed and i really loved it i love the story that it set up i again was super impressed um we read some pretty short books that i was super disappointed by as far as like how little world building they did (laughs) and this book did so much world building in so little time that I mean it just was awesome and I really loved it yeah thumbs up it was really great and I can't wait to dig into it more awesome so I very similar to both of you. I really enjoyed it. Just like Christina was saying, there was so much world building in such a short time, but it didn't feel like um, it was shoved at us and and forced onto us. It felt uh, like it was done in a very nice way. But yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens next. I had hoped to own the omnibus and it's on its way. It's somewhere in the world 
on its way to me. So hopefully soon I'll be able to read uh, the second and third books for this. Uh, but, but yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, so it is time for our spoiler-filled discussion. Uh, so this is the part where if you haven't already read Binti, you need to decide if you want to go read the book and then come back and listen to our discussion, or if you are fine with being spoiled. So let's dig into this. The very first note I have written down is nine siblings and then a couple exclamation points for okay. Binti. <laughs> I didn't talk about this. I should have talked about this during my non-spoiler review because it's not a spoiler. But so we got some Arabic in this book, very little, oh, fun. just just like two things. But Binti means my girl, so <laughs> this is or oh, my daughter. Bint means girl slash daughter, and E is possessive for myself. So okay. my girl Binti, let's go. <laughs> let's go with Binti. Love it. So yeah, it it, it starts off with her sneaking out so that she can make her way to Umsa University. She's she's sneaking away from her family uh, to, to take a shuttle to start her journey. Yes, there were, okay, there were lots, I, I might be getting ahead of myself here, ahead of the story, but there are lots of modes of transportation before she can get to this university. Because first, she is on her transporter which I'm not exactly sure what it is. I wrote, is it like a motor scooter? Yeah, that's what I was picturing, like a motor scooter or like a motorcycle mm. type thing. Because then she she goes from the transporter to the shuttle to the ship. Well, mm-hmm. shuttle to the launch port. So she yeah. spends some time at the port before she gets on her on her ship. That will take her the rest of the way. I, yes, that was. <laughs> But anyway, she's still on the transporter. This is still the first five pages. But yeah, right away she uh, starts talking about how she's going to be disowned for sneaking out, uh, for for leaving. Uh, she is the first of her people to be accepted at the Umza University. And apparently by deciding that she is going to go there, her I wrote down the quote, my prospects of marriage had been 100%. Now they would be zero. Uh, no man wanted a woman who ran away. Well, who needs men anyway? Exactly. Fair. I mean, Fair. she's like the smartest person or tribe anyways. Yeah, she she scored really, really high on her math test. She wants to go. She knows that this is going to mean that she's no longer really welcomed in her family, but she's going to go and she's going to try and continue her family and her culture's customs throughout the story as she as she makes this journey. And she got a free ride, so she might as well go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, True. for sure. But yeah, so she makes it to the launch port where she's going to then take the ship to Umza University, and I thought it was really, really cute when she went to the help desk. I was like, that that's cute. Like, yeah. her first stop on the launch port is, you know what I need to do? I need more information. I'm gonna go to the help desk. Yeah, the line was like, I knew exactly what I needed to do. Go to the help desk. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, but then this is where I wrote down another quotation, which was, there is a reason our people do not go to that university. You go to that school and you become its slave, is how she phrased it. Yikes. Yeek. But none of her people have ever been there. So how do they really know that? How are they drawing this conclusion? Yeah. 
I was wondering True. that too. I mean, she is, is she really the first person to have gone there or like from her tribe or has there been previous people from her tribe to have gone there? I think she's definitely the first from her tribe. I, I don't know if that means she's the first black person from pseudo Earth. I don't know. Was it Earth? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Earth. I don't know if she was the first black person then to go. Definitely not because she gets there and she sees other black people there. Mm. Maybe they're from different planets. I don't know. Or different tribes. But the security person told her that she would be the pride of her people. Yeah. He was really rooting for her. He was, <laughs> you've got this. Yeah. That's doing my great. Girl. My girl, Binti. <laughs> but yeah, but then everybody else was, was staring at her. So we have Binti, who was one of the Himba, and then we have everybody else who were the, the Kush? Yeah, the Kush. The Kush. Kush. Yeah. The Kush. Yeah. That's one that I, I didn't, since I was listening to it, I didn't see how it was spelled. So I have it spelled a couple different ways in my notes. Well, since you were listening to it, how did they say it? That's, I don't remember because I wrote it down so many different ways. <laughs> I feel like I said Kush, but maybe that's just because I always said it that way. So I just heard it that way. Because okay. I, I, I spelled it one time with two O's and then one time with just a U. Yeah. It was spelled K H O U S H. Yeah. Okay. Kush. <laughs> but this is where we get, I don't know, are these microaggressions that we have going on with the women who are just touching her hair while she's standing in yeah. line? Or would you call this like a macro? Like this was this is not like, okay. I'm going to punch you in the face if you did this to me. I know. I was like, <laughs> I'm about to crawl through these pages right now. Um, and I actually, I so I wrote down the quote, it was cool in the terminal but I felt the heat of social pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's my life every day. <laughs> every day. No, it's not my life. But I liked that line. I felt it for her. But yeah, so we have these Kush, the white earth people, I, I guess. But yeah, so they, the women, like I said, they touch her hair and they're surprised uh, that it smells nice. And then they're wondering if it's even real. And they're just saying all of this stuff behind her. And she's very, like, she's not engaging. She's very focused. and Right. Because they, like, I guess, like, they're making comments on the clay, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure. How did they say the name of the clay? Ochise. Ochise. Okay. The... It might it might not be a, such a hard ch ojize, but it was so more it's a J. <laughs> yeah, because it's a J. But I kept spelling it with a ch instead of a j until I saw. Anyway, okay. her people cover their bodies with this clay for yes. hygienic purposes. Yes, because they don't have access to fresh water, so instead they use this clay to keep their body clean. And like they make these horrible comments that oh, the clay looks like poop and, like, all this stuff. And so they're surprised when it smells nice and floral and all, like, in front of her, which is awful. Yeah. But she's like, screw all of you. I've got this cool device. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. I I wrote down, I didn't write down device. I wrote, she has a rock? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Something's in her pocket. A regular old Charlie Brown here. That the scanner, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that the scanner can't identify, but yeah, she has this this thing 
It's 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 cool, whatever it is. She doesn't know what it does. Her Adan. Adan. Which just means unknown device in her language, not in Arabic. But yeah, this isn't really relevant to anything, but another detail that I wrote down was about how the security guards, they're only educated until the age of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those poor <laughs> security guards. Also, like, maybe this author has been, really been done wrong by TSA agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, haven't we all? Probably. <laughs> and so then this is where we find out that the ship she is taking the rest of the way to Umza University is a living ship that's like related to a shrimp yeah oh i was picturing the the um alien ships from from the avengers ooh yes yeah. okay that's what i okay. was picturing the evil, all right i like it the evil things yes i agree with that the krill no, not krill. No. The krill. Um, not the krill. Those poor creatures. The Chitari. Yeah. The Chitari ships. Yeah, the Chitari. Chitari. <laughs> the Chitari. <laughs> Cut that out. No, no that's the one thing we'll keep in. <laughs> I gotta keep that in. I'm definitely keeping it krill. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so she she gets on this living ship that's going to take her to the university, and she she's again she's the only Himba on on the ship, but she does make friends with what I wrote down in my notes was the math nerds on the ship. <laughs> but are any of these friends important? No, I mean they turn out not to be. Because then they're brutally murdered. I mean, honestly, like, you can tell they're not important because literally they're listed out by name, like, in a list for, like, a sentence. And then, like, one tugs on her hair and it's like, oh, I have a crush on this man, actually, so I forgive him. Mm. and then he's murdered in front of her (laughs) yeah i was like i don't like where this romance is going and then he dies i was like i don't know if i wanted that (laughs) yeah emma you got your wish (laughs) right away be careful what you wish for Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) yeah they they had been traveling for 18 days they had five days left and then you know they're just hanging out eating lunch i guess yeah. they're in the mess hall and then yeah i don't know how these because i didn't write down if there was any like turbulence or anything that made it seem like the the Whoa. medus were on the ship because then all of a sudden it was like we're eating and having a good time and then this guy's chest bursts open and sprays her with blood was there any indication that they were on no. no. Like, I didn't even no. know this was a thing that they need to be worried about. Like, just boom. Like, dead. Everyone. Yeah. And then it is. It is everyone. She she stands there and, and prays to her little rock. Her, her machine thing that she doesn't know what it's for. But she stands there and the next thing you know, a hundred people in the dining hall are dead. Yup. I mean, what a thing to happen in your story. And I mean, and and that's just like in the dining hall, but but her assumption is that the Medusa, these people with tentacles, I, I is it tentacles for hair? Because I kept picturing them as a mind flare from like D&D, 
but their their tentacles are like on their chin. Okay, honestly, I was picturing them as just giant jellyfish. Me too. I wasn't picturing them as people like humanoids at all. I was picturing them as just yeah. giant jellyfish. I drew an octopus I during think, this part. <laughs> I think she said man-sized, but not like humanoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're transparent. <laughs> yes. We're introduced to the transparent medus who are apparently the enemies of like I don't know if it was everybody in space or if it was just the people at in like this corner or like the people who are like or Umsa University. They definitely had a grudge. You'll find out that they had a grudge with Umsa University in particular. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if they were just enemies in general. Yeah, it's uh, like it kind of sounds like they're enemies of humans, but then it mm. sort of sounds like they're enemies of, like, there were different species on the ship, I think. And different think? species at the university, for sure. The ship might have just been Yeah, since humans. the ship was from Earth, it was probably just humans. Yeah. But yeah, we need a name for, like, what's their Federation equivalent? Because I assume yeah. they have one. Yeah. And we might not know but... until further into the series. Mm, true. But yeah, so so the Medus seem scared of her rock, of her, I need to figure out, her Adern, Aiden, 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 I didn't spell that that way at all. But anyway, this brings us to Arabic number two, because, awesome. because the Medus do Muja Kabira, Ooh. <laughs> which she, she translates for us, it means great wave. Although when I, so, okay. Here's nerdy pet peeves about transliteration <laughs> that no one cares about. <laughs> but so this is very common in transliteration, so it's not the author's fault. But they put H's like everywhere to show that the vowels are soft. But when there's okay. an H in Arabic, you pronounce that H. So she spells it like Muhujaha Kabira when she means Muja Kabira, and I'm like, mm. Mm, how can I, I, like, you're not wrong, but transliteration rules are dumb and should be fixed a bit. Ah, hmm. <laughs> uh, interesting. There are two different kinds of H in Arabic, and you pronounce it if it's there. Yeah, we don't have silent H like in English. <laughs> silent letters where you can just put them wherever. Right. <laughs> Oh, English. But yeah, so we've got all these Medus, these tentacle people who are there. And I forget, did she find out that her, her, I'm just going to keep calling it her rock. I'm so sorry. But her rock, I don't remember, does she find out that that scares off the Medus and then she starts gathering supplies? Mm-hmm. Or does she gather her supplies and then? Like it kills yeah, so one of them. She, it kills one of them in the initial attack. And that's when okay. she finds out. So that's when she finds out that it like scares them all. And then okay. that's when she starts to pray to it because she's like, oh, this thing saved my life. Mm. This has power. Because before it just is like her lucky charm, you know, yeah. that she found in the desert. Yeah. So it's like light blue and it has like some mysterious lines on it. Okay. Yeah. After she kills one of them and then scares the rest of them with it she gathers supplies she gathers water she grabs grabs food and i liked how she grabbed dessert to fuel her 
mental well-being. And I was like, good for you, girl. Yeah. Good for you. You are in such a horrendous situation right now, but you know what? If there's dessert right there for you, you grab it. Exactly. You grab it and you take it with you. So then she's able to make it back to her bedroom on the ship, and she pulls out her astrolabe, which is like... It's like an all-in-one type of thing. Yeah. It was like her identification, and it seems like it's also a communicator type thing because she's trying to use it to send, like, an emergency signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the emergency signal isn't really working. Yeah, it's also, like, a map, and... Yeah. Yeah. And then doesn't she use it as, like, binoculars at one point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. Like, I can't... I can't grasp what it looks like. Like, I was figuring it's, like, some sort of circular spherical device. Mm. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe it, like, morphs into different things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But on the plus side, if there is a plus side to the entire crew being killed and her being trapped on a ship with the Medusa, the ship is still headed toward the university. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, so it's and her people are the like the ones who like create astrolabe. Yes. 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 This is when we start learning about how she uh, was going to be the master harmonizer. How she is a har- harmonizer, and she was set to take over for her father. Yes. Back home. Yeah. So it's like interesting how her people are like these master inventors engineers who like make these amazing devices but like and yet never leave earth so they Mm -hmm. can like make these devices that help people travel the galaxy and yet they've never seen the galaxy yeah Mm -hmm. as she says her people travel inward rather than outward so yeah so she makes it she's in her room for, for 72 hours, and she's still yes. hiding there, but she's running out of supplies. She's, I think she's eating. She's run she's, out of supplies. She's eaten those desserts. She's out of pretty much everything. She, yeah, I think the only thing that she really has is, like, a little bit of water and her ochise, like, clay. Like, a pot or two of that left. And then there's a knock on her door. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't really what she wants to get. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm sure she wanted them to just ignore her for the rest of it. Though, I didn't write this down, and I probably should have, but at this point, does she realize that that the Medusa are basically going to the university to cause, like, some kind of trouble? Like, murder at the university? No, not not yet. Okay. So, so yeah, but there's a knock, but then she notices on her rock, that's not really a rock, uh, but she notices that there's, like, a fingerprint spot, and then she rubs in some of her ochise into it, and then there's, like, a button. Yeah. I don't know. So that, now she's got her rock machine thing is, is doing something, and, and then, and then she hears a voice saying, girl, you will die. <laughs> yup. <Yeah. laughs> Humans must be killed before they kill us. And, and yeah, we realize her her rock thing is helping her communicate with the Medusa. Yeah, so these currents of electricity like shoot out of it and are like connecting her to the Medusa. And they also like constrict her hands around it. So that way now like her hands are can't move mm. from it. She's just grasping it for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I 
it took me forever to realize both her hands were around it until like she was yeah. eating with like her forearms and i was mm. like i was like wait both her hands are around it <laughs> Yeah, I had to go back because I was like, why are you eating with your elbows? I don't understand. <laughs> I was like, don't you have one arm free at least? <laughs> Crazy. But the translator device helps her suss out one of their names. And this helps her join their conversation. And so one of their names is Okwu. Is that how you say it? How do you say it? Okay, woo. The narrator said Oku. Oku. Yeah. But I, I read it as Okwu, so I probably will say both throughout our discussion. Okay, I was reading as Okwu. Anyway, so they end up having an argument that ends in a stalemate. You know, both sides think each other is the aggressor. Mm-hmm. You know, both mm-hmm. sides are violent. They're the provokers. And yeah, when we get to the point where she falls asleep and then wakes back up and that's when she has the food there, that's when they start talking about how... Well, first she finds out that the pilot is still alive and she realizes that it's to, like, get them through security. Well, we skipped over something. Sorry to have to go back. But so, so our boy or girl, it, Oku comes in. (laughs) It's unclear whether or not they have gender, but I do feel like Oku was referred to as he once. I thought he was too, but then at the end of the book, he's referred to as it and i was like that's not i feel like it goes back and forth we can just say they okay so anyway the point the point i was going to so oku uh, manages to bust into the room and he touches oku touch it touches some of the ojitsu and then on on its injured tentacle and then it's like "Ah," and then goes away and it's like comes back later and it's like hey this healed me i want all of it and she's like, no, that's mine. No, well, no, I think she says I don't have any, which is a lie. She has a ton. Yeah. She doesn't have a ton. She has some, but she's going to be running out sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, she just doesn't have an unlimited supply. But anyway, so Oku asks, what do you need? And she says, I need food. And so then she falls asleep, wakes up to food. Yeah, and then that's when she's trying to eat it off her forearm. Yes. Let me eat this fish with my forearms. Yes. So yeah, okay, so then yeah, so this is where we find out then about the pilot being still alive so that they can get through the security at the uh, university and that the chief of the Medus, his tentacle is on display at the museum. And that is why, so the Medus are basically... That's why they've hijacked this ship and they're trying to get into the university so they can slaughter Mm -hmm. everyone and reclaim his tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this gets Fincy's mind going. She's like, hey, what if we all talk about this? You're intelligent. We're intelligent. I will give you my ojitsu if you let me talk to your chief. She'll give him half of her jar of ojitsu. Yes, not yeah. all of it. Because her ojitsu, her ojitsu is like giving them like part of her soul. Yes. She also brings up again how she is a master harmonizer so that she can create 
harmony between everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, I'm not really sure what a master harmonizer is, but yeah, <laughs> this seems like a stretch. I, I think she, I think she was stretching it on purpose. Like, I think she knew it yeah. was a stretch yeah. too. Like, I think she was just twisting her own word, like her own capabilities, to make it work for the situation. You know, she knew and like she was a mathematical harmonizer. She didn't know that she was technically like she didn't know that she could harmonize the social situation. Yeah, but she thought that maybe she could give it a try. You know, she knew <laughs> she had true. to. Otherwise, she was going to get killed. You know, she had to try. Yeah, yeah. I I think that was her only play here. Was yeah. I think at this point? Sorry to interrupt, Hannah. But this this point. Uh, they, uh, Oku says, like, we only need the pilot. We don't need you, but we can't kill you because you have the, the yeah. magic rock. Yeah, he is so straightforward. Like, I mean, I appreciate that because, like, an alien is going to be, like, super straightforward. Like, he's like, mm. I want to kill you. Like, it's really frustrating that I can't kill you because you have that stupid rock. <laughs> <laughs> or they call it shame because you have the shame. <laughs> You have the shame. You have the shame. The shame. (laughs) And so then at this point is when Oku and the Medusa are like, well, you need to let go of your special magic rock because then otherwise no one would believe that you're our ambassador, that you work with us and for us. So, So she does. And then she immediately gets like stung. In the back of her, like, neck slash spine with one of their stingers, and then she passes out. Yeah, so she does get to talk to the chief, and the chief seems to to agree and all, but then gives that condition, and kablam. Yeah. Binti's dead. Oh. She's not dead. Yeah, so she she wakes up back in her room. They, They put her back in her room after her meeting with the chief, and this is where her... We find out that the astrolabe is also binoculars. She's using that. And again, yes. what does this astrolabe look like? I don't know. <laughs> I have a couple quotes, but I was like, these don't... I don't know that we need to include these in, in the <laughs> podcast. One quote was about how the, the ship would shed its skin the day after we arrived, after it adjusted to the gravity. I just thought that was a fun <laughs> little bit of description. Because, oh yeah, it's alive. And it's having to oh, go yeah. through the atmosphere. And... This is how you world build other authors we've read. Pop, <laughs> pop. <laughs> now, now, the interesting thing is so I believe she is covered again in her ochise. Like she has a fresh layer on her, on her hair and everything. And she notices that the pot is, there's still some, but it, they, they, they've definitely taken some as well. And and now she can understand Oku without her special magic rock. And she questions if it was the sting. And he was like, nah, it's just because you're a harmonizer. She's like, huh. <laughs> huh. I guess I won't think about that. I guess I am a harmonizer. <laughs> anyway, let's go negotiate. <laughs> yeah, they, they go and they negotiate. And I didn't write much for the negotiation. I mean, it went... It went pretty well. Okay. I mean, it went swimmingly. Yeah, honestly, I wrote 
I didn't write anything for during it, but I wrote, wow, I did not expect the negotiations with the professors to go so well. I would have collapsed like Binti as well at the end. Like she collapses, (laughs) she like faints after the professors come back and are like, well, yep, we agree to your terms. (laughs) <laughs> we'll give you back the the tentacle, or was it a stinger? No, it wasn't the stinger. The stinger. It was, it was a stinger. stinger. It was like the one special stinger tentacle that they have. Yeah. So we'll give back the chief's uh, stinger. They invite Okwu to come study and become the first Medusa student at the university. I- I'm suspicious of this. Okay, but also, it, like, it wasn't really much of an invitation. It was more seemed like, in exchange for the stinger, Oku must come study with us. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, if I'm, if I'm Oku, I'm just like, um, I didn't want to be a student. Yeah, like, I, I have like, a job <laughs> on this ship. I did have that thought. I was like, does he even want to study? I mean, honestly, he, I almost felt like he kind of, like, looked at the chief and was like, really? Like, do I have to? <laughs> Like, yeah. Don't, don't make me, please. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I am very suspicious of this. I feel like the professors are are just like, if we can't study the stinger, I mean, how much more can we really learn from the stinger on its own? Let's keep one of them around. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I wasn't even suspicious, but now I am. And see what we can learn. Oh yeah, they were a little too cooperative. I'm suspicious. I think they're doing it because they're like, we can study him or... Or use him or something. Right. Hmm. Well, especially because, like, it really did seem like the professors were, like, argumentative when they were, like, negotiating amongst themselves. True. It took them an hour. It took them a long time. And remember the, like, little buzzy one was, like, spraying webs down on everyone? Like, what was that about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What was going on there? But yeah, and then this is where we start to see a little more of Oku and, and Binti because he's comforting her. He places like a tentacle, like pat, pat, there, there. It's all, it's all going to be okay. Fainting. Yeah, stop fainting. <laughs> but there's one more faint to come. Yeah. So I, I liked how they, you know, they finished this whole negotiation and then immediately Binti starts getting her like curriculum for the school year yeah. where one of the professors is like, you're going to work with me and we're going to do this. <laughs> it's just like, like, this has been a very stressful five days for her. She lived through her entire ship being slaughtered. Hundreds are dead. Her entire <laughs> yes. ship was slaughtered, except for the pilot. The pilot is still alive, people. He made it, as far as we know. That was favorite. <laughs> I, I mean, yes. I was quite concerned for the pilot. But but she's lived through this this crazy stressful time and and now they're like, Hey, here's your curriculum. Also, one of your people who you're working with, but I mean, I'm sure we're all smart people here. We can tell that you were kind of taken prisoner. But anyway, this person that you were like accompanied by is now going to have to stay with you for the entirety of your schooling here. I don't know. I'm not sure. I I have complicated feelings about Oku and Binti and whatever potential relationship. Because they clearly have a friendship at the end of this mm-hmm. book. But, I mean, they murdered everybody on that ship. I mean, <laughs> They would have murdered syndrome? her, too. Mm, who's not forgiving murderers now? Yeah. Okay, but also, the math teacher was... I did not like her, 
And I did not like her delivery of anything that she said. And I did not think it was coincidental that she also was a koosh. Mm, Yeah. But she was like, her delivery of the news that she imparted to Binti was like, so like backhanded. She just kind of is like, so like your family will never accept you now, will they? And Binti's just like, what are you talking about? And then, like, that's when Binti, like, realizes that her hair is different. And that's when we realized that when Binti was stung, they gave Binti tentacle hair. Tentacle hair. She (laughs) has tentacle hair instead of her, her lovely locks that she had before now. Yeah. Now it's all just just tentacles and i did write down that would explain the cover of the omnibus because i'm pretty sure on the cover of the omnibus it has her like translucent that's exactly hair. yeah <laughs> yep that's exactly I what like, i was thinking oh, of that makes sense now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so so yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna stay at the university they're gonna have a grand old time i don't know we shall see but it ends with her calling home to, like, explain everything. We don't see the explanation, but she's like, it's time to call my parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. The end. Yeah. The end. I'm sure her Ooh. parents freak out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, goodness. But yeah, so I found some discussion questions that I thought we could look at. Since this was a shorter book, I thought maybe we could do some discussion questions in addition to uh, describing the book as we already have. So one of the questions is, it describes how Binti has been called an example of Afro-futurist writing and how, uh, for instance, we have the Himba are actually a real people who live in Namibia and Angola who use Ochise, uh, but in Binti they are master creators of hyper-advanced technologies. What is the effect of combining traditional ideas about African peoples with technologies and ideas that we usually associate with the future, like cutting-edge computers and space travel? Wow, okay. So um, I don't know if there's... Sorry, I'm just going to say this. I don't know if there really is an answer to that one. I just thought it was really interesting that the Himba are a real people who live in Namibia and Angola. <laughs> and who... Oh my god, okay. Yeah, because I'm like, Hannah, that question is like work. That's like a college essay right there. <laughs> I know. You're not going to like any of these questions. Yeah, because they sound like work. I. How about one question it has is about how Binti changes throughout the book, specifically how she changes physically. How do we feel about, and how do we think she feels about being changed to more resemble the Meduse. Okay, like, I would hate this. I hate change. I hate physical change. This is like puberty, but way worse. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I almost feel like you can really relate right now because you're having to grow your hair because of corona. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> hasn't been this long in years. That's true. It hasn't been this long <laughs> since 2014. So you can really relate right now. <laughs> you have a different it's hairdo. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, because Binti didn't seem too upset about her hair being changed. I mean, she I took mean, it in stride. She was pretty upset, like, the first time that she had to, like, that she washed her Ochise out. Mm. And, like, she was yeah, feeling it. the scene where she balls for, like, hours. I know, and she, like, is feeling it for the first time. And, yeah, like, she seemed pretty traumatized. I can't even imagine what the tentacles would feel like. Blech. Gross. Like, I would feel, like, with the Ochise on, at least it would feel like kind of like your normal hair. You know, like what her hair would right. normally feel like, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, even the Ochise is like a different color because like it's from a different planet. She said it's like darker. Yeah. Like, so she's having to like be a different color even. But it still works. It still heals yeah. the tentacles. It does still they heal. They did check that. Yeah, that's cool. Wait, so did you read all three books, Emma? No, I did not. Oh, okay. Did did you just read the first one? I read the first one, and I kind of read it twice. I skimmed it the second time in my listening. I skimmed the listening. Oh, okay, You skipped gotcha. around in your listening. Gotcha. Because I didn't take notes when I read it, because I had to read it so fast so you could read it. <laughs> I was like, there's no time to take notes. Oh my gosh. Ugh. But that helped because if I had t- taken notes while reading it the first time, I would have taken notes on like all of her friends and crewmates. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't that's take notes. That's fair. Because yeah. I was listening to it, that's why I didn't write down. One, I didn't write down her full name because I knew there was no way I could spell it. And then two, I didn't write down any of her friends' names, which ended up being okay because <laughs> they didn't last very long. No. Yeah, let's scoot on over to recommendations, since I think we've gone through our last thoughts on Binti. So before we close out this episode, let's go over our recommendations. Christina, since I made Emma give me her review first, I'm going to ask you for your recommendations first. I don't like that. Do you have any recommendations? Yes, I do. I recommend N.K. Jemison's Broken Earth trilogy, starting with the fifth season. It's so good. I've definitely recommended it before on this podcast. I'll recommend it again. <laughs> Science fiction by a person of color. I mean, it's great for geology lovers. It's great for science fiction lovers. Emma, what about you? What recommendations do you have? All right, you may have been thinking to yourself, what episodes of Star Trek is this book most like? (laughs) And don't you worry, I have the answers right here. Yes. (laughs) Thank goodness. Now, okay. I I feel like there's like a perfect episode out there that I just haven't come up with. That I just, it hasn't come to mind yet and it will after this podcast. And Mm. I'll be like, no, this episode is exactly like this book. But anyway, I have two episodes, and they're they're actually, like, basically the same episode, but with opposite endings. So okay. we have the original series, we have Devil in the Dark, which I talk about this episode 
I was going to say I talk about it a lot, but nobody would know that. I talk about this episode a lot because for me, this, if you had to pick one episode that was the epitome of the original series, it would be this episode. Because it's everything Star Trek should be. So Does it include ep- Captain Kirk's shirt getting ripped so you can oh, see his pectorals? No. No, I think... No. Because that's quintessential Star Trek in my mind. Yeah, that's what I kiss... think of when I think of original series. He doesn't kiss a girl either, but... Mm. Continue. <laughs> it's the episode where they go to that the mining facility and people have been killed by this mysterious creature. Nobody's seen it. You remember this episode, Hannah? I got it in my brain now, yes. Yeah, so... so... So Kirk and crew have been called down. They're, the miners are like, you got to hunt this creature down. It's just killing people. They're like melted into nothing. You got to find this thing. And Spock takes the captain aside and he's like, okay, um, if we find this thing, we need to talk to it. And Kirk's like, but it's killed like a bunch of people. What are you talking about? And Spock's like, no, we need to talk about it. And he also says killing it would be a crime against science. <laughs> nice. Uh, but anyway, they do talk to it through the power of mind melts. Perfect. But anyway, then there's an episode of Next Generation called Silicon Avatar. And so it's in Next Generation, there's this thing called the crystalline entity. And it's basically this big crystal that like floats through space and whenever it comes across human life, it destroys all human life, just indiscriminately. And so other characters have encountered it before, so we've known about it. And so uh, in this episode, there's this lady who's traveling with them. She became an expert on it because it killed her son. And so they're tracking it down, and Picard is like, okay, but when we find it, we need to find a way to talk to it. Because maybe if we explain to it that it's a mass murderer, it won't be a mass murderer anymore. And so that's a great episode that you should watch. Nice. And that's my Star Trek recommendations. I love it. Very nice. <laughs> I don't know why I expected any different. <laughs> All right. So I have two recommendations. Both of my recommendations as always, are just very loosely <laughs> related to the book that we read, uh, as in that they are both science fiction books. So I went with two science fiction books. The first one is Babel 17 by Samuel R. Delaney. So I read this one together with his short, uh, his short novel, Empire Star, which he had originally wanted published together. So the copy I got had them both published together. Uh, Babel 17 is about a famous poet who is tasked with deciphering a secret language that is being used by an enemy, and to do this, she ends up traveling with a lovely motley crew to the site of the next attack. So, I really enjoyed this story. I will say that it does use some outdated language in how it describes the Asian characters in the story, so just be cognizant of that. (laughs) And... (laughs) And I also really loved this book. It had some lovely LGBT uh, uh, rep in it. And 
though I'm fairly certain the terminology of bisexual, pansexual, or polyamorous weren't necessarily around when it was written, or at least weren't used as frequently and as openly as they are now, that representation was still in the story, and I really loved that. So yeah, so the second book I wanted to recommend was The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Uh, This book is very slice of life, which I know isn't everyone's cup of tea. It's definitely my cup of tea. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Emma. Hannah's talking about me. Yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, I I truly do not need a complicated plot as long as I love the characters. And I loved the characters in this story. It's about the crew of the Wayfarer as they embark on a long journey to complete a job of creating a wormhole to this distant planet. This story also has a ton of LGBTQIA plus rep in it, which I really loved. Becky Chambers does an amazing job of creating distinct cultures for so many alien races. I need to count them, but you are introduced at the very least to five distinct alien races and cultures, which I thought was pretty awesome. So those are the recommendations. Emma! What are we reading next time? We will be reading Ghost Squad by Claribel Ortega about two girls who fight ghosts. All right, so that is it for us today in our Binti discussion. Don't forget to check out our Instagram at Treat Your Shelf Podcast. We also have a Twitter account at Treat Your Shelf Pod. Uh, the your is just you are. All of our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would love to hear from you about your thoughts on Binti or even what you think about our next book. Thanks for joining in on our discussion. Until next time, don't forget to treat yourself.